from South Carolina Public Radio. This is the South Carolina Lead. I'm your host, Gavin Jackson, and this episode was recorded on February 13th, 2023 from James Island, South Carolina. Just so you know, some of the information in this podcast may have changed by the time you've heard it. In this episode, we look at the busy week ahead at the Statehouse, including debate in the House on Wednesday, Republicans near total abortion ban bill with limited exceptions. Several bills will be moving through the House and Senate committees focusing on bond reform, constitutional carry, and others. We have a troubling report on the increasing number of drug overdose deaths in our state, and we hear from Clemson psychology professor Dr. Robin Kowalski about her research on trauma, bullying, what leads to school shootings, and how to complain better. A personal favorite there. And the lead wishes you a happy Valentine's Day. That's right. While the lead struggles with commercial holidays, we do believe in the power of love. And we love all of our listeners out there. That's why I want you to call us and share some more of that love at 803-563-7169. Leave us your name, where you're calling from, maybe what you're doing for Valentine's Day, what you're not doing, how you would take the lead out for a Valentine's Day date, uh, any number of things, 803-563-7169. Let's start off with a statehouse preview for this week. In the Senate, committee meetings on Tuesday will focus on a bill to levy higher motor vehicle license and registration fees for new residents. That's S-208. One bill, S-256, will allow public schools to allow students with parental consent to possess and use sunscreen while on school property or at a school-sponsored event or activity without being required to have a physician's note or prescription and without having to store the sunscreen at a particular location on the school property. Now, I don't really pick bills that I care about too much, but this one, everyone wear the sunscreen, okay? Lead says sunscreen (laughs) and moisturize. On Wednesday, SCDOT Secretary Christy Hall will present the annual State of DOT report to the Senate Transportation Committee. And on Thursday, two bills that increase penalties for destructing utilities will be before a subcommittee. Comptroller General Richard Ekstrom will also be before a Senate Finance Subcommittee explaining that $3.5 billion double-counting error that has rocked state government. House committee meetings this week include a full Judiciary Committee agenda on Tuesday that will tackle the Constitutional Carry Bill, which will allow legal gun owners to carry a gun without a concealed weapons permit or training. That's H-3594. Another bill before the committee will create an additional criminal offense for offenders who are on bond and commit a crime. H-3532 will add a mandatory minimum of five additional years to a sentence if someone who has been charged with a crime is out on bond and is convicted of committing or attempts to commit a violent crime, strong-arm robbery, criminal sexual conduct, criminal domestic violence in the first or second degree, and any offense involving child pornography. Service of the five-year sentence is mandatory unless a longer mandatory minimum term of imprisonment is provided by law. Now, the court shall also impose a mandatory five-year sentence to run consecutively, and a person sentenced under this law would not be eligible for parole or work release for good behavior. And another bill by House Speaker Merle Smith, H-3591, would ask voters in the next general election whether they want to repeal the prohibition against the state or its political subdivisions from providing direct aid to religious or other private educational institutions. So, public money for private schools. We also expect the House to get on its near-total abortion ban bill, H-3774, on Wednesday. 
The bill would ban abortion at conception, with the only exceptions being for rape or incest during the first 12 weeks, and in the case of fatal fetal anomaly, and if the life and health of the mother is in jeopardy. Now, that does not include psychological or emotional conditions. Last week, the Senate passed S-474, which allows for the same exceptions as well as abortions up to six weeks, which is when cardiac activity represented as electrical impulses of the embryo can first be detected, though a real actual heart is not developed for at least another 11 weeks. Now, at six weeks, most women don't know they are pregnant and have an embryo, not a fetus, not a baby, an embryo growing inside of them. Now, an embryo becomes a fetus around 10 weeks of pregnancy and is about an inch long. So just a little information there for you. And like we mentioned in Saturday's wind down, I will be traveling to New Hampshire and Iowa to follow South Carolina's own Nikki Haley in her initial swing through the early voting states. So stay tuned to the podcast and South Carolina Public Radio for exclusive 2024 trail content. I'm going to do my best to juggle the next few pods while also bringing you all action from the statehouse. But I expect we will be hearing several reports from The Russ McKinney. Reports you can always find on SouthCarolinaPublicRadio.org. got the bills out of the way, but let's move on to some more news. Last week, we got some disturbing information that the trend in overdoses continued last year in our state, as public health experts sadly anticipated. DHEC found that from 2020 to 2021, the number of drug overdose deaths in South Carolina increased by more than 430 individuals, from 1,734 deaths to 2,168 deaths, an increase of more than 25%. By comparison, there were only 573 drug overdose deaths in the state in 2012. Opioids continue to be the primary cause of overdose deaths in recent years. 80% of fatal overdoses in 2021 involved opioids. Sarah Goldsby of the Department of Alcohol and Other Drug Abuse Services, known as DIOTIS, was on a call with DHEC Director of Public Health Dr. Brandon Traxler discussing these findings. Here's Dr. Traxler. To help people understand, I often explain that most medications, including other opioids, are given in doses that are measured in milligrams. But fentanyl, when it's used appropriately in medical settings, is given in doses measured in micrograms. And it takes 1,000 micrograms to equal a milligram. Fentanyl is increasingly being added to other drugs to enhance the potency and addiction potential, often without the user of the drug aware. This dangerous situation leads to many overdoses and overdose deaths. Deodis Director Sarah Goldsby said treatment is available out there and people can survive addiction. But with a greater prevalence of the synthetic opioid fentanyl, it has greatly increased death and addiction here and nationwide. As we look at 2021's data and we see another year of loss and heartache, it can be easy to feel discouraged. Um, but it's important to remember that substance misuse can be prevented and that addiction entirely is preventable. It's treatable. It's incurable, unfortunately. Most chronic diseases um, are incurable, but people can and do manage them and recover from them. And, and there's no difference uh, with addiction. Dr. Traxler mentioned the incredible potency of the fentanyl that has infiltrated our nation's illicit drug supply. And as she mentioned, it's responsible for a great number of overdose incidents that we're experiencing. 
But it's important to remember that fentanyl is now being found in cocaine and methamphetamine and the prescription drug lookalikes that we're seeing on the street, as she mentioned, and that there is risk of overdose in drugs beyond those that we believe to be opioids. And so anyone at risk of using illicit drugs is at risk of overdose. Now, Goldsby did add that overdose death increases were lower than previous ones, but the trend is still problematic. 2020 to 2021 increased less than we increased from 2019 to 2020, which may get to your point about the shift during the pandemic. I think two things occurred in 2020. We are very well aware of the circumstances with COVID-19 that drove isolation, uncertainty, a lot of feelings of anxiety and depression. And I, you all have heard me say this before, people misuse substances, including alcohol and drugs, to either feel good or to not feel bad. During 2020, during the uncertainty of COVID, we had a lot of folks feeling feelings that they may have wanted to um, alter with drugs or alcohol. So that occurred nationwide, but simultaneously, and what we know from our law enforcement intelligence is that the drug supply shifted at that same time. And so in early 2020, as we were observing incidents of overdose statewide on a week-to-week basis, we really did start to see a shift in real time, March, April, and May, as the drug supply changed pretty dramatically and as people went into isolation. And so I, I think we have probably two simultaneous situations occurring that has changed the trend that we're seeing. Now, just a note, Narcan is available statewide over-the-counter, and fentanyl test strips are legal in South Carolina. All of those can be found at support organizations like the Courage Center in Lexington and at DHEC. There are also a lot of resources and information available on JustPlainKillers.com. Here's more from Sarah Goldsby. When we think about um, how the data has shifted demographically. We are seeing the, d- the data change, even in our week-to-week observations, of more people um, of different populations experiencing overdoses now than we saw a couple of years ago. We believe and we, we pretty much feel certain that that's related to the fentanyl being laced in the cocaine and methamphetamine. So people who are intending to use cocaine, never intending to use an opioid, experiencing an overdose because they were unaware of that opioid and that cocaine, we have to also think broadly about who might be at risk and reconsider perhaps the folks we know who are using methamphetamine or cocaine are also at risk. And that's where the importance of the overdose prevention kits that DHEC distributes it really is. Because with the fentanyl test strips and the Narcan combined, you've got a kit that can really save a life end to end. Now, as drug overdoses continue to command our attention state and nationwide, Clemson University announced that two new academic research centers established in the College of Behavioral, Social, and Health Sciences will work to address critical public health needs. Recently approved by the Clemson Board of Trustees, the Centers for Addiction and Mental Health Research and Public Health Modeling and Response will collaborate with Clemson University faculty, staff, students, community partners, clinicians, and public health stakeholders to prevent and mitigate public health problems including but not limited to addiction and mental health conditions, infectious diseases, food insecurity, and more. Clemson University also said that the Center for Addiction and Mental Health Research will expand on the existing synergy of addiction, mental health, and wellness research within the college and across the university to inform policy, reduce harms, and improve the quality of life for individuals and communities throughout the state and nation. Now, speaking of Clemson, in separate but related news, I spoke with psychology professor Dr. Robin Kowalski recently on This Week in South Carolina about her research on school shooters, the concept of mattering, the traumas we seem to be exposed to daily, and her research into complaining. I heard Dr. Kowalski on the podcast Hidden Brain recently and decided to set up this interview 
especially in light of the mass shootings in Southern California that gripped our country in January, as well as the horrific killing of Tyree Nichols at the hands of Memphis police officers. I started off by asking her about the greater awareness of mental health that we're seeing these days and what's fueling that. Now, this is a bit of a longer clip, but it's really interesting here. So take a listen. We have so much increased media attention over the last few years, um, particularly with school shootings and other, like you said, national tragedies. And I think when things like that arise, you know, the the risk, of course, is that there's a habituation factor um, that occurs. But I think the positive upside, if you can say that there is one, is that I think it does make us more aware. I think people start, you know, doing more research and uh, oh, what could be causing this. Um, so I think that that has, has led to just the increased scrutiny into the causes of it and therefore increased attention into what we can do about what we perceive as causes or correlates of the different tragedies. So not so much as a scapegoat as much as maybe just more attention? Absolutely. Because, you know, like, you know, with the, the school shootings, for example, you know, we know that um, there are certain um, antecedent conditions that are not meant to, you know, at least based on the research that we've done and some other people have done. And those antecedent conditions are never meant to profile. Um, you know, there's plenty of people um, who have mental health issues, obviously, who don't go on to become school shooters. You know, we know that rejection is a key um, antecedent condition of, of um, people who are involved in school shootings. But there's plenty of people, for example, who are bullied who don't go on to become school shooters. But I think what we can take away from that is, you know, if we know that these antecedent conditions exist, then we can implement programs um, mental health awareness programs, anti-bullying programs, or bullying prevention programs is probably the more appropriate term that will decrease the likelihood that people who might have gone on to perpetrate school shootings, um, that we can decrease the probability that that would occur. Dr. Kowalski, your research focuses on complaining, teasing, and bullying like you're talking about, uh, and also a focus on cyberbullying as well as the concept of mattering in relation to school shootings. So we'll, we'll talk about all yeah. these, uh, but let's start with school shootings and shooters. You were just mentioning that there's not really a profile for a school shooter. It seems like it could be uh, anyone, I guess, and that is a bit worrisome in itself, too. But we haven't seen many school shootings in South Carolina. The last one, I think, that was really on our radar was that 2016 shooting at Townville Elementary School, which claimed the life right. of Jacob Hall. But there's always, you know, it doesn't really go, a week doesn't really go by in South Carolina where a parent isn't getting a message from a, a, a son or a daughter saying, we're on lockdown at school, which I can only imagine what that sends uh, to a parent's mind at that point. <laughs> so talk to us about school shooters and, you know, typically how they get to that point where they see that as the only way out. So let me expand upon those sort of antecedent variables I mentioned before. So, you know, back several years ago, um, we did some research looking at um, the, the shootings had to, it was K through 12 shootings, and they had to meet certain criteria, like the shooting had to occur at school during the school day. So things that happened at football games or, you know, other sporting events didn't didn't meet our criteria. And, and there were five. Again, I'm just going to call them correlates or antecedent conditions. And, you know, one was a long-term history of rejection, like the, um, the bullying. Another one was a history of psychological problems. Um, another one was an acute rejection experience. Um, you know, most of the K-12 shooters are male, and most of them are white males. Um, there's also a fascination with death and a fascination with guns and violence. So many of these shooters are fascinated with prior shooters um, and prior school shootings that have taken place. So, you know, we found at that time, this was the, the study was published in 2003, so this was some time ago, we found that there were 15 shootings that met our criteria. So more recently, though, just a few years ago, we wanted to see, you know, if those same correlates held up. And they did. And there were the number of shootings that met our criteria it was a longer time span, of course, um, was much higher. It was in the 50s. And again, you're, there's been lots more school shootings that have taken place, but we had a very narrow set of criteria that have occurred since that time. 
But I think to your to your point, given that we have the this relatively high prevalence of shootings that have occurred, you know, like I mentioned, we can implement anti-bullying prevention programs. But you know, you mentioned mattering earlier, and mattering is a fairly recent psychological um, phenomenon that's that's fascinating and. You know, I was talking to one of my friends yesterday about the construct of mattering, and, she, and her comment was, because I just think mattering is related to everything. Um, can you define it? Can, I, you, can you tell us what that is? Yes, I can, and I don't disagree with her. Mattering is um, it's the degree to which we feel important or significant, or the degree to which we make other people feel like they're important or significant. And the converse of it is that people who, who feel like they don't matter, they feel like they're invisible. Think about what that would feel like. You know, that would not feel good to feel like you, that you were invisible to others. And, you know, you can imagine that people who feel like they are rejected or feel like they don't belong, that means that they feel like they don't matter. And we've recently done a study looking at suicide posts in one of the subreddits. And we found that in over 70% of those posts, anti-mattering was present. Which again, you know, that I think that speaks to the to the realness and the prevalence of this construct of mattering in, you know, people's day to day lives. And so I, I think what, what comes out of that is to the degree that we can make people feel like they are important, that they are significant, that they belong, that they matter, I think we can help to reduce speaking to the school shootings in particular, I think we can reduce the the shootings. You know, people who feel marginalized feel like they don't matter. And it it honestly takes so little to make somebody feel like they matter. Um, you know, just a, a kind word or why don't you sit with us for lunch or, you know, it, it really does not take a lot of effort. Um, and so to the degree that any of us can just reach out at whatever level, elementary school, middle school, high school and beyond, you know, and we, we believe the same thing applies. You mentioned cyberbullying. Tell us about your research and complaining. Um, you know, what, are there <laughs> benefits? Um, are there different types of complaining? Tell us a little bit about this. We have a couple minutes left. Yeah, so it's such such a fun area to do research in. So because, you know, if you think about it, complaining is a behavior that we all engage in, albeit to different degrees. Um, and I love to dabble in research in areas that, you know, very few people have dabbled in, but yet it's a behavior, that, again, like, like I said, that everybody engages in. So, you know, what, what we believe is that if done in moderation and if done strategically, um, you know, in other words, you're, you're not going to go and just complain all the time because then you're going to, you know, destroy relationships. Um, and if you do it, you know, you pick your audience carefully, you know, you don't use up the same person over and over again, that complaining can be very effective. Um, you know, and, and you, you, there's plenty of, you know, I think each person, again, who uses it in moderation and who does it strategically can support, can find supporting evidence for that. You say if you do it strategically, but then you also mentioned destroying relationships. So you're saying if I complain all the mm -hmm. time, that's going to really just, what, grade on people? It's going to grade on my approach towards uh, people? How does that work? It will, yeah. You know, it uses people up. It wears on people. If you continue to just complain over and over and over again without being willing to do anything about it, you know, there's different types of complaining. There's instrumental complaining. There's expressive complaining. You know, instrumental complaining is complaining that's designed to accomplish a very specific outcome. But, you know, if I go to my next door neighbor and complain about the cable company or something like that, and I do it incessantly, well, you know, she's going to tire of that. Um, you know, I don't know that she would completely ditch me as a friend, but she's eventually going to say, you know, enough. Um, you know, if you are really that dissatisfied with it, go and complain to the company itself. Um, but if it's expressive complaining, even still, you know, if I'm just chronically just, you know, morose and complaining about this and that, that also wears on people because it's like, just move on, you know, find a way. I, I teach my students about ways to make change their attributional style because it, come, it comes across as this chronic pessimism. And there are ways to deal with it. You can check yourself. Um, you know, you can journal about it. There are ways to deal with your complaining that can be more effective than just continuing to 
you know, express it incessantly to other people. Love that bit about complaining there at the end. Also, Dr. Kowalski gave insight on how she thinks more mental health professionals can get in the field where they are desperately needed. You can find out how and watch that entire interview on youtube.com slash South Carolina ETV. Welcome to the wind down section, our little break from the news. We're glad you're here. And uh, as many regular listeners will know that this will be a little bit more of a somber wind down section. And uh, for those that know, it's because of the Super Bowl. And that's why we have, um, well, I don't want to say much more without AT's consent here. So folks, mm. AT Shire, producer of the lead podcast. Thank you. Thank uh, you. An Eagles fan through and through who's just just like, just like you, Gavin, today. and just like everyone else who listens to this. We're all Eagles fans today. Um, yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm really going to let you have a wide berth here today. I'm going to let you just work through this, and I'll, I'll be supportive. So, yes, Eagles fan here listening to another <laughs> Eagles fan. Everyone just consider this. I've A lot of people have reached out to me. To, mm-hmm. This is the welfare check for all of you. I yes. am surviving here. So before we get into this, we're not going to play a voicemail because we have one and it's a little long. But uh, we did get a text that I will read from our own Grand Strand man, Roman. Okay. Gavin. Yeah. And he he this came in before the Super Bowl, sadly, the Super Bowl that the Eagles lost. Mm. And he says, Dear Gavin. Hmm. Stay warm in New Hampshire. Ugh. Please consider wearing warm socks. Which ah. You're not going to like that. I hate that. <laughs> they are just prisons for my feet. <laughs> he also says, looking good on cable news. Congratulations on announcing your candidacy for 2024. Thank you. You got my vote. Thank you. <laughs> yes. And he said, dear AT, good luck today. Go birds. Sadly, Roman, that was not enough. And so I'm not going to sit here mm. and break down the entire Super Bowl, though I could. I just want it on the record, though I could, oh, okay? I, I know. <laughs> I know. Oh, I know. Okay, I know. I know. Oh, I know. <laughs> uh, so I, I, everyone knows the field was bad. Really tough call at the end of the game. Mm-hmm. Ticky-tack call that sort of decide, took the, the, the decision of the game out of the player's hands, mm. more in the ref's hands. So that was tough, right? But what really stuck out to me was this – I saw in the moment that we lost, I had a greater understanding of generational trauma here Ugh. because uh, it's going to be hard for you to under, to believe this, Gavin, but when we lost, I had to be the strong one because it affected Caitlin so badly. Mm. And I saw on her face, I saw <laughs> her shut down emotionally. I saw her shut down mentally and she, you saw all the functions leave her body. And I was like, are, are you okay? After five minutes of her sitting there silently. And she just croaked out. I need to watch Below Deck. <laughs> <laughs> this is like what wedding vows are about right here, it, right? Exactly. Yes. Better f- or for worse. worse. And what really stuck out to me more, like the worst part about the Eagles losing this game wasn't the Eagles losing for me. Mm. It was me looking at Caitlin and seeing what I have done to her. Oh my God. You know, like she was not a fan of the Eagles before we met. She was blissfully unaware of, for, of this personal hell that we both live in, you know? And uh, to see her affected that way, I, I just couldn't stop thinking like, man, I, I did this to her. And, and here you are wanting to do the same to all of our listeners. Yeah, I know. I know. 
I know. Sphere, I, it's disgusting. I the sphere. I apologize to the sphere, but um, <laughs> I, it's a six-six cycle that I am going to get into again at the in next August and September, and I apologize mm-hmm. ahead of time. Yeah, it's okay. So, we are here for with you. With all of that said, that's all I'm going to say about the game, the Super Bowl. But Gavin. What the wind down truly is for is to wind down. I need safe. this right you now. You do need okay? this. It's a safe so space. We're going to talk about, of course, Super Bowl commercials. Super Bowl commercials. <laughs> yes. We're going to do our, our, our favorites I, and I, least favorites. I, so I, get, I just want to start off by saying, and maybe people yes. can back me up here. Maybe you can support me for once. Um, mm. <laughs> for once. For, for once, once in your life. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like our whole sphere has. <laughs> I, I just overall was just not blown away. Not, they they not, didn't not have the, the juice. They, they didn't yeah. have the juice. Not like really the Super Bowls of our youth, of our of our twenties. Where are the Budweiser? Where, where frogs? are they? Where were the Budweiser huh? commercials? There was one Budweiser, the Budweiser frog. We didn't even see the Clydesdales. Now I will say one of my favorite commercials uh, started out strong. There was the the Duncan commercial <laughs> with Ben with Affleck. Ben. Yeah, and, and then was... Jayla. And then Jayla's like. This is where you, this is where you go when you say you're working. <laughs> that was a good one. That was a that was a commercial of destiny. There, yes, you know what I mean. Like the internet and everyone agreed. Ben, you got to do this. Do it. It was perfect. It was beautiful. Uh, what was one of your favorites? Okay, so I'll hit you with two. Obviously, the Fast and Furious. I at was the just going to say Fast X trailer. <laughs> that looked great when he pulls those two helicopters down with I- his car. You couldn't I laughed, see. I laughed. My eyes rolling from from back home. It's so good. Uh, and on, honestly, another one, another movie trailer for me. The the Indiana Jones trailer yep. looked pretty good. Yeah, I I really like that. Dial of Destiny. Uh, dial me into it, please. Okay, two, <laughs> uh, please. I'm interested. <laughs> yes, um, I like that one too. I like the Mr. Peanut Roast one. I laughed out loud. You were not in a good it. situation I, at that point. I wasn't. I wanted. I said. I texted you back. I <laughs> you liked were, him better when he was dead. <laughs> were, I was like, oh god, we're in a we're in a dark place right here. <laughs> it was a bad moment. For I me. thought it was so funny. I'm like, oh my god, what a clever idea. They're literally roasting Mr. Peanut, and he's like talking about how they killed him off, and then he is a I, roasted. I, peanut, I will admit yes. that I later on late in the evening watched the 11 minute roast on YouTube. That's sick, dude. That is sick <laughs> of you. Funny. You're you're been diseased. Funny. For watching that, you the know, brand like, got I like, you. I like these spokes, the spokes foods. <laughs> the like M&M all spokes good leaders made that appearance we, at the end. Oh yeah, Gavin is big in the anthropomorphic uh, <laughs> spokes. I'm everything things. they say that we need to worry about when it comes yeah, to the, the spokes candies. If if you're a brand and you want to hook Gavin, make it not a person but a living object, please. <laughs> Gavin's got a real uh, thing for the hamburger helper glove. <laughs> Bring him back, please. <laughs> oh, the Pillsbury Doughboy. You know, I will just say, since we're on this topic, anytime I see a, bar- a barbecue joint where like the pig is happy and he's playing along with his ensuing death, I'm like, oh, look mm-hmm. how fun! With the pig's having a great time. Even he likes. I want to eat know? there. <laughs> um, he wants to go to the slaughterhouse. How about some of the duds, at? What, okay, what? I Felt have. Flat. This was one that I I felt in the depths of when it was like right when I realized that we weren't going to get the ball back. Mm-hmm. We weren't going to have time to go and try and make this up and win. Uh, the U2 commercial came on and <laughs> it, it even cut through all of my despair and enraged me because think about the 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 band, the people that everyone loves to hate, U2. <laughs> And you could tell they planned this for months and months and months. And of course, right now, 
their commercial to announce their Las Vegas residency is balloon centric. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> You're not a big like, YouTube fan. I was like, oh, this is not good for AT right now. And out through it cut through the depths of my despair. And I texted Gavin. I was like, of course, these shills, you two. <laughs> the people who forced their way onto all of our iPhones collectively. <laughs> yes. These losers that had the red iPods. They they have the balloon commercial. I, I didn't like the all the Timu shop like a billionaire commercials because I, I can just vouch for all the other billionaires out there we're not shopping at timu yeah. baby like billionaires like you and everybody here's else. your yeah. eight dollar like dress that's probably made of like oil or something some sort of petrochemical yeah, no. um <laughs> that's burning in ohio right now godspeed to the folks in east palestine uh but yeah that was a dud um there were a couple other ones the two i wasn't crazy about the 2b one i know everyone lost their minds when they thought their screens were moving without their I consent i would say but I'm I like, would say I, it I was know that's effective. not my TV because I've never used Tubi before. Yeah. I, I 99.9999999% of repeat. people have never, Repetin Bar, Repetin. have ever, have ever engaged Tubi in their life. Do not and engage so, Tubi, okay? Be safe, And folks. so, uh, Caitlin looked at me. He's, she was like, what are you doing? And I was like, that's not me. This is a commercial. <laughs> Do not worry, okay? <laughs> that reminds me of <laughs> the Pepsi Super Bowl halftime show where Lady Gaga performed. And oh. I had friends mm-hmm. over. We were watching it. Everyone was loving the big screen. And I went to go turn up the volume, and I hit the channel change. And then mm. you would have you would have thought that I put a bullet in someone's head because the looks I yeah. got. I was like, yeah. it's okay. I will go back. Uh, I thought the, back. I thought the halftime show was good. Re-re? I thought it was honestly a little sleepy. If anything, uh, no I'm going guess... to call it sleepy with all the puffs. Uh, <laughs> But I it honestly, I mean, for me, someone who's played some Mario video games, it looked like Super Smash Brothers. To yes, me. the different levels. You know what I mean? And I was like, this is Super Smash Brothers. And then, um, no guess was tough for me. And uh, she had like, a baby. That's that. That's the guest right there. I a think... lot of people are saying that. I did like that she worked in her line of cosmetics. I was like, you go yes, synergize, 20, girl. Yes. And then I did notice that Twitter was not loving it. They were sort of like, love Rihanna, sort of boring. Uh, but uh, as soon as they came out, all the Fox announcers were like, everyone loved that. Everyone loved it. So they were doing yeah, some Michael damage Strahan control Michael Strahan was like there. trying to get like a high five with Rihanna at the end there. <laughs> yeah, I was like, do yeah. what you need to do, brother. Um, oh, I would have done that too. I'd I be thought, like, Rihanna, please touch me. <laughs> I, thought it was, uh, I thought it was awesome, especially because she was pregnant. And you're like, oh, she's just doing it. Homegirl's just doing it. I respect that. Mm-hmm. Um, it was also good as Apple Music. A friend of mine actually was working that production, which is just insane to think about. A good Kent State grad behind the scenes there. Um, another, what was it, $7 million or $6.5 million roughly for 30 seconds of ad time. So, yeah. again, really nothing too crazy. I did like the Rakuten ad with um, Alicia Silverstone. Way to go for her. Oh, really keep I cashing lo- in I, on that one. I love one. that one. I loved that one. I that thought, was really I thought everyone good. looked great. I thought it was very on brand because everyone's 90s obsessed. Uh, and... They were still just keeping it tight, I thought. Everyone's looking fresh. They did. I, they look great. I, I mean, I bet everyone Googled, me included, uh, Alicia Silverstone age. <laughs> After that, you, know. You, know, it, you know, it's a, it's a career-defining role that just keeps on giving. So more power to you. God, there. yeah, milk it, baby. Go on. Anyway, people. Let us know what you liked. Let us know what you didn't like, referees the field. Uh, <laughs> referees the, and, uh, the field. Eagles losing. The field. And they the took field two years pathetic. getting that grass and then uh, pathetic. They just truly watered it. Like what when when players on both teams are are all saying that is the worst field hands down they've ever played on. It's pathetic. And it's the I can't Super get Bowl. into this. I know. I, know. I don't want to spiral you. I don't. So let let's get this, Gavin. Hit hit the credits. I'm gonna lose my mind. Okay. <laughs> have a good week, everybody. <laughs> 
I'll tell you who didn't spend $6.5 million on advertising, and that is South Carolina ETV and South Carolina Public Radio. We love you. That's why you need to help donate to us and, and keep the calls going. 1-800-256-8535 is a way to support public radio. You can also go online, southcarolinapublicradio.org, and hit that donate button. We are out of the pledge drive right now, but we can still use your support. But show us your appreciation by leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts or a voicemail at 803-563-7169 or a text message like Roma did to that same number. We will take it. You can also stay up to date with the latest news on scetv.org and southcarolinapublicradio.org. And don't forget to support your local newspapers. For the South Carolina lead, I'm Gavin Jackson. Be well, South Carolina. It's going to blow up in my face, and I'll have more welfare checks from people I know on the internet. <laughs> and I'm like, AT, you're doing it. You're like, I don't care. I'm going whole hog. I'm like, please don't. Yeah. And I'm like, oh. AT, don't. AT, don't. Please stop. You're drinking it too fast. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> <laughs>